Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello and welcome to a mini-episode of Cinematic Universe, the podcast that's all about comic book movies, brought to you by FilmDivider.com. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and I'll be bringing you a truncated version of the show to bridge the gap between our Hellboy and Kick-Ass episodes. On today's show, I'll give you my reactions to the comics that Seb and our guest Michael Leader recommended on last week's podcast. Those were The Umbrella Academy, Volume 1, and Hellboy, Volume 3. But before any of that, let's take a look at some of the comic book movie news that has broken over the past week. And we'll get started with Wonder Woman, because we got our first look at Wonder Woman thanks to a swiftly deleted image posted by newly confirmed cast member Saeed Tagmawi uh, from the set of the currently filming movie. Uh, Tagmawi is pictured alongside Chris Pine in what looks to be distinctly 1940s garb, which does seem to point towards previous rumours that this will be an origin story, at least in terms of Wonder Woman coming into contact with the wider world. Uh, Tagmawi has recently been quoted as saying he was playing a superhero, and it looks like his role will be a major one. It was also confirmed that the Patty Jenkins-directed film will be shot by Hoyt Van Hoytemer. Uh, he's the cinematographer responsible for Let the Right One In, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, Interstellar, and most recently Spectre. Agent Carter will return to ABC on January 5th, and we know that because of a new teaser trailer that gave us our first look at the second season of the show. It's not the most exciting or revealing footage, but it is playing up that the action has moved to Hollywood, and it shows lots more of Hayley Atwell beating dudes up as usual. Uh, The show will run until Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. returns on March 8th. Uh, Hopefully it won't take as long this year for it to hit UK shores, uh, given that it now has a broadcaster in place at Fox UK. Scott Adkins has joined the cast of Doctor Strange, according to The Wrap, who also report that the actor will have several major action scenes featuring hand-to-hand combat in the film. The English actor has superior experience before from when he shared the role of Weapon 11 slash Deadpool with Ryan Reynolds and thanks to his martial arts background he has often been linked with the role of Iron Fist by fans. Now wishful thinkers might peg him for that role here as well and while that's not totally out of the question with Stephen Strange going out off to the mystical east to learn his trade um, it's probably fanciful thinking at best but you know we're not going to rule it out. Uh, also joining the cast is Transparent's Amy Landecker, but there are even fewer details about her role in the film than Scott Adkins. But Dot Strange is currently filming, as you'll probably know if you've seen set photos of Benedict Cumberbatch popping up around the internet in recent weeks. Uh, 
And briefly, in other MC news, Michael Douglas has confirmed that he's in negotiations to reprise his role as Hank Pym. I was to X-Men now, and although we're still waiting on official confirmation, it sounds like Gambit finally has a director, and it is in fact Doug Lyman, as previously rumoured. Uh, producer Simon Kinberg has described the film as a heist movie and a sexy thriller, as if a Gambit movie starring Channing Tatum could be anything else. Anyway, hopefully they'll hurry up and actually make the thing now so we can go ahead and watch it on October 7th next year. And finally, just a friendly reminder that Jessica Jones hits Netflix on Friday. That's just two days away, so get excited about that. Okay, let's move on now to discussing this week's comic book recommendations. We will start things off, I think, with Seb's recommendation, which was The Umbrella Academy, Volume 1. The first volume is called Apocalypse Suite. Uh, This is written by Gerard Way uh, of My Chemical Romance fame um, and drawn by Gabriel Barr. And this is the first six issues in the Umbrella Academy. I'm aware there is a second volume as well. Um, And it's absolutely mad. Um, I was um, pleasingly... I was kind of prepared for that when the introduction was written by Grant Morrison. And I was like, okay, Grant Morrison likes this. It's probably going to take me a little bit of time to uh, come around to. So the, the series is introduced by... Um, the image of a wrestler um, in a ring putting what is described as an atomic flying elbow on a squid creature that he's fighting from the planet of Regal X-9. Um, and apparently in that moment, um, a complete coincidence happened all across the universe and there were th- 43 extraordinary children born um, to mostly single women who had shown no signs of pregnancy in seemingly random locations around the world. Um now, there is a man who uh, is known as uh, the Monocle. He's Sir Reginald Hargreaves. Um, and at that moment, he goes around and tries to adopt all of those children. Uh, he only finds seven of them, uh, but kind of wipes their identity from the wider world and raises them at the Umbrella Academy. Um, and the first issue, um, which is called um, The Day the Eiffel Tower Went Berserk, um, is um, a big, crazy fight that happens around the Eiffel Tower with um, five, six of the children. Uh, five of the children are involved. One of them is missing because he likes to time travel. Uh, and another one of them, the seventh child, Vanya, is um, apparently not special and doesn't have any powers. So we just see five of them fighting. Um and it turns out who they are fighting against is a zombie robot, Gustav Eiffel, um, who ends up flying the Eiffel Tower into space because it's not a tower, it's a spaceship. Um, <laughs> and then we flash forward to 20 years later where we meet um, our, uh, our, setup, our number one, the leader of the uh, Umbrella Academy, who is uh, Space Boy, who is now working on the moon but is called back to planet Earth um, because of the death of his father or his adopted father, the monocle. Um, And so the the story kind of goes from there. And the the, the reveal at the end of that issue is when he returns that um, one, well, we find out that Vanya, the less special child, has kind of been alienated from the group and has been invited to somewhere else. um, And that... The family also have um, a monkey who lives with them called Pogo and that the 
the missing member that I spoke about earlier of the Umbrella Academy, uh, who is number five, the time-travelling child, um, has been missing since then because he time-travelled into the future, but he has now returned, but is still, even though all of the other children are grown up, number five is still a child. Um, And there is so much in that first issue that I was just, like, hooked on. I found it pretty difficult to keep up, but there were so many little details and ideas and bits of world-building that I just absolutely loved. And um, I would probably say that the the rest of the series didn't quite live up to it for me, just because the, the, the main thrust of the narrative in the series didn't interest me as much as the little asides. So the second issue has loads of what went on with the fifth child when he grew up in a post-apocalyptic future on his own and managed to return back and I thought oh man I could have read an entire comic just about that or I could have read an entire comic about what was uh, ha- the different adventures that the children were on or them being trained by this monocle figure who seems to have nefarious purposes or seeing more of this wider universe where wrestlers are fighting aliens and finding out more about the origin of these 43 children and where are the other 36 of them and what's going on with them um or just like just just being able to spend a little bit more time with some of the individual characters because by the time we get to the main narrative that goes through the rest of the five issues um so obviously the monocle is now dead one of the seven children has died between uh, childhood and now so there are in fact only six left um, and one of them Vanya is uh, completely alienated from the group so we spend time with five of them uh, so Space Boy is number one there is Seance who has the power to communicate with the dead um, there is uh, the only female member of the actual five that are together uh, the rumor who I think has the power to like whatever she thinks of or whatever lies she tells actually manifest. Um, And then there is Kraken who seems to have some kind of like um, uh, powers with water and surviving underwater. Although I'll be honest, he was the one that I I understood the least. And then there is um, number five who just uh, travels through time. Um, And yeah, so they, they basically are aware that there is an impending apocalypse, the apocalypse of the world that number five time travelled forward into uh, and me- and eventually managed to get back from um, and uh, th- they they go about trying to stop that um, except they're not quite sure where it's going to come from um, and it eventually becomes clear it's coming from Vanya who is turned into, uh, so her special power is like, she's, she's really good at the violin and she meets this terrifying masked guy who uh, brings her into this symphony um, where they want to play the Apocalypse Suite, which is basically um, a piece of music that Vanya will lead, um, which will bring about the Apocalypse. And Vanya, when she when she is transformed and when she does play her violin, is able to like brutally kill people with just the power of her music. Um, and this is absolutely nuts at points. There is this. It's breakneck it's really hard to keep up with some of the characterization is fantastic and i i think the greatest compliment i can pay it is that it left me wanting like so much more uh, the the art is uh, really impressive and 
yeah, I, I just wanted to know so much more about this world and so much more about the characters. And I could have read spin-offs about any one of them, got to know them a little better. Like, for instance, Vanya, I found frustrating because while I did find hints of a very impressive character, I didn't, I didn't feel I knew her well enough or her relationship to her family well enough other than she was alienated because she didn't have powers that she would be tempted to join this symphony and then bring about the end of the world. Um, and I could, I could have just spent a lot more time doing that kind of stuff. Having said that, I did still enjoy all of the main story and really, really um, enjoyed the world that this was a part of. Um, so there are six issues in this first volume. Um, at the end of the, um, at the end of the copy that I bought, there is also uh, there's a two-page story which was apparently designed as a little teaser, which is a fun little thing, and also the comic that was produced for Free Comic Book Day. Um, which um, I'm not sure I would recommend reading first. Uh, it, apparently, that both these short comics were produced before the main series. I think the first issue is a fantastic way to meet these characters for the first time, um, and so I would almost say maybe read the read the free comic book day issue between the first and second issues. That sounds strange, but it it gave me a little bit more context and a little bit more explanation behind these characters and what their powers were and what the status quo was in this world before the death of the monocle and this group being reunited together. Um, So yeah. Um, But yeah, I I really, I really enjoyed the umbrella Academy. I'm probably going to try and hunt down the second volume and read that as well, because uh, like I say, there's there's so many facets of this story that I would like to see more of. Um, but at the same time, I could completely imagine the second volume, which I know nothing about, just being a completely different thing set in that world that does none of those things that I've just asked for, but would still be uh, incredibly entertaining. Um, so yeah, um, a thumbs up to that. Um, and it's going to be a thumbs up to the second recommendation as well, which is Hellboy Volume 3 uh, from Mike Mignola that was recommended by our guest Michael Leader. Um, so Mike told me to read the third volume because the first two volumes were kind of a lot of the basis of the film that I'd watched. So And so I, I, I get the impression Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. 
You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. That there is maybe more of a straightforward... Now, I, I could be completely uh, making that up. I could, maybe there is more of a, a straightforward narrative or more of an actual beginning to end narrative across those um because so i think there was it's the seeds of destruction miniseries which was a uh a basis for the movie so that that sounds at least given that it's a miniseries that it has a main story to it um this is called the chain the chained coffin and others uh the third trade paperback in the hellboy series um and so this is written and drawn by mike mignola and i absolutely get the love for mike mignola's art after reading this is it's stunning some of the images that he create they they seem simple but they're all incredibly effective and just perfect for the kind of stories that he's telling here um and there are seven stories in this collection there is the corpse iron shoes the baba yaga a christmas underground the chained coffin the wolves of saint august and almost colossus um, and the first one, so, I mean, they all seem to be based on little pieces of folklore that Mike Mignola has read and likes the idea of and wants to kind of tell those stories, but through a Hellboy context. So a, a lot of the times these don't, it almost feels incidental even that Hellboy's there. It's just these quirky little pieces of, yeah, folklore and stories about demons and this this character or this little this little idea of um, a story or a demon that that Mike Mignola has gone, okay, I could tell that story and I could put my own little twist on it and I'll put Hellboy in the middle of it as a means of telling that story. Um, so the first one, The Corpse, was the one that Mike mentioned on last week's show and that it has um, a, a link to the film when uh, Hellboy takes, uh, I think it was Grigori, uh, around, he digs him out of a grave and then brings him as kind of a guide uh, when they're on their their final leg of their mission in the movie. Um, This is different here. Um, Helpfully, Mike Mignola introduces most of these stories in in kind of advance of um, actually showing them in the collection and kind of gives you a bit of context about when he wrote them, uh, when they're set, um, what context they were published and which little bits of folklore he was drawing from and which which bits that he are actually the folklore and which bits are bits that he added, um, which is a, a really helpful bit of context, uh, especially if you're coming to Hellboy for the first time with this. Um, and The Corpse is really fantastic. It's the first one and probably the best in this collection. Um just a, a short story that apparently was told in two-page set installments to begin with, which is incredible as as well, just, just to think about that. Um, but Hellboy meets this family who tell them that their baby is not their baby, that their baby is actually missing, and that they know that the baby that's in their crib is an imposter. Um, and Hellboy tests this by 
holding up an iron horseshoe to the child. And apparently lots of demons uh, don't like iron, uh, that it kind of burns them. And this Hellboy is then able to reveal that this child is a demon, um, interrogates it to find out where the how he can find the actual child, um, and then throws the demon into the fire. Um, he then meets this corpse um, who he has to bury before sunrise, I think, um, or the child will be lost forever. Uh, it's kind of like a deal he makes with these demons. Um, and so you, he visits one gravesite after another, the ones that are mentioned to him, and for various reasons is told by kind of like zombie demons that there's no room or everything sets on fire, um, or like... Um, he's attacked by uh, a big like pig-like demon at one point that fights him um, until he eventually does just simply happen across an open grave and buries him and um, the, the, he then meets up with the demon and the demon explains that they're, they're kind of people they, they've had no children born into them for a century and that they need this child and Hellboy just simply explains that the kid's parents don't care and that they're going to have to deal with that, um, and and takes the child back. Um, and it's it 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 seems it's it kind of sounds unremarkable and plot wise it is, but I say the artwork is is so impressive. Mignola's work with light and shadow is incredible, and I I just found myself transfixed to this story and really interested that this was drawing from real folklore and um, almost kind of wanting to go and look at the research that Mignola had done and read the initial pieces of folklore and, and see what he was drawing from because he 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 made me interested in something that I would have no interest in otherwise. Um, the Iron Shoes is just a very short story that is tagged onto the end of um, the first one, which is about a demon who has no problem with iron whatsoever in that he wears iron shoes, but Hellboy very quickly ties him up and drags him along and... Um, I think eventually kind of turns him to stone. Um, the Baba Yaga is about a demon who apparently Hellboy had had some dealings with before, and we hear that, it, that it, apparently Mike Mignola had told the story about how Hellboy had shot out her eye, but wanted to actually show it for real. Um, there's another story. The, the, the next story is the, the Christmas Underground about a woman, who, a, a Christmas Underground, sorry, about a woman who's dying. Um, and um, I, I struggled to really figure out what was going on here, but it seemed like her, like her daughter or part of her family were all existing in this kind of weird, bright underground place. Actually, the the visuals of it reminded me of Pan's Labyrinth in Guillermo del Toro's uh, Pan's Labyrinth when uh, you go down and meet the Pale Man. Um, you can definitely you can definitely see why del Toro was attracted to Mignola and working together and maybe the influence that Mignola has had on Guillermo del Toro as a visual artist. Um, uh, yeah, uh, the, ne- the next story is The Chained Coffin, uh, which um, was probably my second favourite, which was um, basically another folktale and it features Hellboy going back to the place where he first entered the world and having this kind of vision of this demon facing off against a dead woman who he had kind of... Uh, interacted with uh, kind of seduced years earlier um, and told her that she was carrying his child and it's it's heavily implied that this 
horn-headed goat demon and this woman are in fact Hellboy's mother and father and that they tie into his origin in some way but it's it's just it's just kind of like subtly hinted at and it's all told through Hellboy writing a story to Abe Sapien who is reading who is reading his letter um again just really really simple plot wise but incredible visuals and and really really draws you in uh then there is the wolves of saint august which is a werewolf story which basically leads to hellboy having a fight with a werewolf um and this kind of tragic story about a town being completely destroyed by a well by the werewolves who live there and um we we also meet this uh, character called Kate Corrigan, who is present in this story and the next one, who is this um, like expert on demons from uh, NYU, who is going around with Hellboy helping him, but kind of while she is an expert on all these things, has never really had any interactions with them before. So she is she is a fun character to have around in that story. is is a nice little counterpoint to Hellboy. Uh, that's one of the longest stories. And I think probably the longest is the last one, which is called Almost Colossus, where Liz Sherman, who we meet for the first time in this volume anyway, uh, in this very last story, has interacted with these demons, uh, with a demon which has stolen her power. And it's almost like she is no longer in her own body um, and that she's very likely going to die if Hellboy doesn't succeed in the mission that he's on which is basically to find this demon and make him give back the essence that he stole from Liz Sherman. Um, And this demon has a brother and the brother has been taking humans and melting down their flesh to create some kind of enormous human-esque form. uh, So they can kind of like, he says something about like reaching up into the, into the celestial world and tearing it apart um seeing the universe tremble in our colossal grip um and uh the brother is kind of conflicted about all of this and eventually manages to take down his uh his evil counterpart by melting him using the firepowers that he got from Liz Sherman and because he melts this guy who has kind of created his form from lots of human flesh uh, this guy melts basically a sea of molten human fat when he dies um, and Hellboy manages to convince the other guy to go back and give Liz Sherman her firepowers back. And that uh, brings her back from death, basically. Um, uh, and like I said, I, I don't think there was a story in there that I, I didn't enjoy. Uh, my my favourites were, were definitely the ones that were more heavily folklore based. And I quite liked the idea of these really short, compact stories. I mean, this is, this is just as long as the Umbrella Academy, um, or, or not very much different anyway. It's maybe the length of five five full comics, um, but there's it, it feels just as rich with all these different lengths of stories. And um, yeah, I, I was really attracted to this idea of Mike Mignola kind of just doing little bits here and there and telling stories like the, the length that they needed to be told. Um, and kind of fascinated that this is something that he's been doing for. I don't know, maybe 20, 25 years and, and slowly selling these stories and jumping around in time. And uh, like, cause, cause one of these stories takes place in the forties and one's in the sixties and like one's a flashback to earlier. And, um, some of them, I, I, I don't think are even dated, but it, it doesn't really matter. It's just all of these little adventures that have happened as part of Hellboy's life. Um, 
yeah, and I, I, I really, really enjoyed this. I enjoyed both of the recommendations this week, and um, I would say if you enjoyed Hellboy for being Hellboy, go and read Mike's Hellboy recommendation. Um, if you enjoyed it as being this kind of team up of strange characters going off and having a kind of quirky odd little mission then uh, the umbrella academy is is probably for you there's th- th- these are two very very different comics but stuff that i uh, there was stuff that i enjoyed about them a lot i don't want to say that hellboy feels like an extension of the horror comic that um that seb recommended for last week's show it feels like it has that kind of vibe but just so much more polished and so much more uh, beautiful to look at. Um, I think probably Hellboy is my, my top recommendation for this week. Um, but I, I, I don't know, I, I would like to go on and read a lot more of both and hopefully I will do in the future. Anyway, that is it for this week's show. Don't forget that the next episode of Cinematic Universe will be covering Kick-Ass. Um, if you're enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast app of choice. And if you've already subscribed, then please leave a rating or review, and we'll give you a shout-out on next week's show. Yeah, if, if anyone leaves any ratings this week, we'll definitely we'll definitely give you a shout-out on next week's show. So please do that. We'd be uh, very much appreciative. Um, you can find more episodes of Cinematic Universe on cinematicuniverse.libsyn.com, or as we're a Film Divider podcast at filmdivider.com. You can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter, at cu underscore podcast, or send us an email to cinematicuniversepod at gmail.com. See you next week. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.